This is Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. Jennifer! How are you? Oh my gosh, here we are. Another fabulous podcast on our fabulous Hacking the Afterlife podcast. Cool. And I'm not even jet lagged. It hit me quite a few days later. Did you? Uh, or did it? I mean, I, I always learned that just, you know, cough, heavy duty coffee every day around four o'clock. I have been drinking coffee and I never, <laughs> I never was drinking coffee before. Before? Yeah, that'll do it. Well, you're so lucky. You got the chance to go around and change lives all around the planet. I did. It was fascinating. By the way, some of your fans have been posting on Quora and, um, you know, I never know what you're doing. I mean, I have no clue, you know, what your sessions are like, because it's just me and you, you know. Right. But it's fun when somebody writes, oh, my God. You know, I, I saw somebody wrote today. They said, I was carrying around such grief. And Jennifer took that all away from me. Oh, I don't take credit for doing that. But I take credit for being in this space that provides that I'm able to give the information from the other side. Like, yes. So I've had two sold out wine and spirit shows uh-huh. and one was at, you know, I'm doing them at Uncorked again at the Uncorked wine shop and then the well and good studio in Hermosa beach. And both of them, you know, they're sold out. Both of them. I, I do this. I do what we do. Similarly, I try to give them the tools that they can use for their, for their own, you know, reaching out to their own loved ones. And I always refer to our books. And I always think that they've, I've had too many people tell me how much it's changed their lives. You know, listening to the book that you, listening to the books that you've written, all of them, you know, not just the ones that I'm in, but all of them. (laughs) Oh, now, come on. They really like hearing your voice. And, uh, you know, listen, it is a gift you have. I think it's interesting because we've done so much research in this area to talk about how mediums appear to have the filters down it's like mediums don't have the same filters that other people do and so instead of saying well it's this gift or this curse or whatever it is that humanity calls it it's just different and it's it's trust and it's practice so trust and practice and because the practice helps you to sort of really identify what you're seeing and how to translate right right and but they also like for instance i had so interesting yesterday this guy came through and I always just say who's you know when I do a group reading I'm like okay I'm just going to demonstrate you know normally these are people that come through that you're not thinking about even though I've had someone say well what if you're just reading my mind right because that's so easy to do by the way hello um but so I had this really cool spirit named Christian well Christian Chris and he goes went by Chris his name's Christian and he came by just to make sure that the person like gave so much evidence to make sure this person was okay. And it was a lot, like she didn't even like this guy, this person passed away 20, 19, 20 years ago, but it's so fascinating. They always give evidence of not only back then, but what can help them now. New information as you would New say. New information. Yeah. Right. And, and we can talk about that a little bit. So this idea of like, somebody passing away 20 years ago and then hearing a new piece of information from them. I mean, it blows people's minds, but if we're really going to talk about it, it's 
the idea of, well, we have our time and space that we navigate every day, whether it's getting up and going to the coffee shop or whatever, over there on the flip side, it's not that time doesn't exist, but it doesn't exist per se, meaning that's the experience for them. It's like it's all compressed. So something that happened last week, I, I know, I remember this, we had a conversation and I think it was with Prince and I, I asked him because we were having a conversation that got interrupted and then two months later, we continued it. And I said, so what's it like for you? He said, like a comma. And, right. you know, we've had that experience where I've had the experience doing a hypnotherapy session two years later and dipping right into where I was two years before, but a few minutes later. So it's like over there, time is completely different, completely compressed. So 20 years to them, and I've heard this, feels like five or 10 minutes right. to, to them. So that thing that you were stressed over 20 years ago, your friend on the flip side is like, so have you resolved that yet? Or you, yeah. you figured that one out? Uh, you know, but that I, go ahead. I was just laughing. I think I mentioned this last time. Like, what if you did know, like, if you knew that this was the last time you were ever going to have sex, for instance, wouldn't you make it last? <laughs> right? Nobody ever knows the last time they, they're going to have sex. Right. Right. I mean, maybe, I mean, well, I'm, some people, yeah, yeah. But, people. but yeah, the idea of like live life to the fullest. And they mean that like wholeheartedly, like the thing that they miss the most is being alive with your body, with your the tactile heart. senses of, yeah. Like the wind, we talked about this, like the wind, you know, and Luana's hair, that's what she missed. Yeah, right? That's right. Cause we asked Luana, our friend on the flip side, what do you miss about being here? And she gave Jennifer this visual of her being in a convertible and having hair like whip around. And I have footage of her doing that in one of my films. But the idea is uh, that experience very hard to construct on the other side, certain things like you can, you can construct smell, you can construct all kinds of interesting things. Uh, We I was just talking about this with our friend, Robert, and uh, we were, I was talking, I was reminding him of how, when we spoke to his father, who was a, a big uh, love to go to the races. And right. How, I remember the horses coming through. Uh, yeah. And we asked him about what, the, what he, so why are horses coming through? And he, he gave us a scenario where he was creating the racetrack, everything, you know, the smell of the horses and the dirt and the crowds, but also specific horses racing. So Seabiscuit was a horse that he had seen in his lifetime race. Right. And so he would put Secretariat and Seabiscuit in the same race. So I had a question. Wait. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just ha- like you discussing that. Something just you know, of course, popped into my head. Um, they said they're like it's almost like the feeling of that's what we're doing right now. We have our players. We have our stage. We have what we're creating. We're technically recreating it because we're getting it from the ethernet, right? So if you think about it, because whatever we're, whatever our energy is matching, we're bringing that to us. So the idea that we're like there, they create on the other side, whatever it is, golf, you know, golf courses, you know, um, horse racing, uh, football, football um, the biggest wave, the ultimate wave. 
we're doing that here. We're doing that here, right? It's almost like the same thing. Well, I think this is something that Luana wants us to talk about. I guess. It's, because it popped up in a dream the other day and it, and it sort of that's so weird okay. well and why why is that weird <laughs> i mean you know it popped up in a dream and i did write it down because i thought well this is unusual and it, it you know of course our minds really hard for us to construct that idea that so just to go into that thing my question was if you're going to ask secretariat and Seabiscuit, two famous horses, to race in your construct. Are you asking them personally, the the racehorse known as Secretariat, or are you constructing it out of your memory of seeing Secretariat run? And what the answer I got, and you tell me, but it was a combination of combination both. Combination both. And it's so, and it's that idea that we you have can, to have one for the. You have to have the memory in order to create it. Okay. And right? so, so, so let's, let's pin that down a second, which is what is memory other than frequency? So you've experienced the frequency of that experience, let's say that horse or all of the things involved with that. And that exists outside of time, a slice of time, like a hologram. We've talked about this with Stephen Hawking, like a hologram retains all the information of that time and frame. And so if you can access that hologram of watching Seabiscuit run, you're accessing Seabiscuit and inviting him to come and run in your memory of him. Is that what you were going to say? Yes, because you recreate, like I just saw like these little kids with those little hats, you know, those little hats, you know, they look like little baseball players. You know how kids used to dress up back then? Yeah. And I just saw the smell. I got this, like a kid holding popcorn that was falling out of the little popcorn holder that he had. And I got the smell of popcorn along with the smell of dirt and grass patches, you know? So I guess. Well, that would be a jockeys, little guys with hats, and as well as the crowd. This was a little kid being dragged by somebody. So oh, okay. is that everybody has different, like what is. Memories. Everybody has different memories of the same events. So what if you had right. a meeting that of everybody that was there and interesting. give their, and their interpretation? Now, this is interesting because we did talk to Junior Seau, the great football player who passed away. Uh, we, we put that together and talked to him about his journey. And he was the one who introduced the concept of creating football games beyond, he said, John Madden times a thousand, you know, the, the video game. But I asked him, so how does who constructs the stadium? And he said, each player that comes has a memory of playing wherever it was. They remember the stadium. So they're bringing the memory of the stadium as well as adding to your construct of what you remember as the stadium. So it's it's interesting. Mike will do. They always remember it. And he goes, it's an it's instantaneous. So, yes, the memory is already cataloged. So it's something they can retrieve really quickly. Unlike being here trying to remember where your keys are like it's yeah not easily yeah. yeah or or that idea of a synapse in your head has a memory of where keys are and you have to then go through that whole process it's sort of instantaneous, like a download hold on i said so i'm asking the question could you go to a library and grab the library that's about with with all the information dealing with that one football game you know at that time of year 
you know, yada, yada, yada. And they said, kind of, it's kind of like that. It's better if you have groups of people to recreate it. So everybody participates, everybody adds their knowledge, right. their awareness. It's so, it, you know, you don't want to just read a book. You want to have it be, um, you want to be able to play within it. You don't want to have to just read it because reading it is, that's interesting. Okay. And then put it together. Interesting. Accessing all the emotions associated with it. So the frequencies that we have with memories, because we remember good memories, we remember bad, it's always associated to a feeling. So they're saying access the feelings first, which actually makes sense because for manifesting here, you're supposed to act, you're supposed to get those feelings as if you've already done it or already have it. You're supposed to match the frequency of what you want. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, it does. I mean, you think about what are dreams, you know, and we go through dreams Partially, the dreams are memories that we have, and partially, the dreams are created on the spot. You know, people don't do what we think they're going to do, and then suddenly you're in this other environment or you're in a hotel somewhere in an exotic country. Kind of looks like the place you've been, but not quite. And you start to think, is this on the planet Earth? This might be in another realm or another universe. But that idea of tapping into other people's awarenesses, not just your own. And that's the way we think of things as if everything is in our mind and we create everything, but it's like saying consciousness creates the universe, but it's a, it's a shared experience. We all have to participate in that shared experience. We can't. Another interesting point with that is that my son told me, he goes, what if you're just getting into the biggest pool of information and there really is no spirit, but it's just like a big, you know, computer. And I'm like, Jack, if I didn't physically see it, I can actually almost believe what you're saying. <laughs> I physically see spirit going, moving around. You know, I can see it when I'm talking to clients over Zoom. I can see spirit going from their heads back and, you know, moving back and forth. If I didn't see it, maybe that would be something. Right, because conceptually, it's what Carl Jung had said, which was that, you know, when a person dies, all of their energy winds up in a pool, a pool of consciousness, let's say. And that people who remember past lives are just dipping into the pool, except when you hear new information, you know, when stuff that you didn't experience or even that person didn't experience, the person right. that you're accessing, whatever, and, and they give you new information about what happened. Or in our case, where we interview Carl Jung and we go, what was that about? And then he laughs about it and says, well, you know, I was close. I didn't quite get that story as it as it actually occurs. Interesting. But that idea of, I also wanted to mention, because this popped into this dream, which was about casting, you know, casting the roles of the people. So this is the example I was talking about with our friend Robert, which was, let's say that you're having a chat with someone on the flip side, uh, you know, Galileo or Leonardo da Vinci. And you're sitting in a room with Leonardo da Vinci and you're saying to yourself, well, this is really interesting. He's telling me these great, ideas. And then you talk to somebody else and they're like, oh, I had a, I had the same dream, except we were talking about something else. So did two people access Leonardo at the same time? Well, if it's a hologram and you're accessing the hologram, then you're, you're accessing your experience one-on-one, right. but because he's outside of time, millions could be accessing him. The way Jesus might show up 
in a session, you know, having a conversation with Jesus and we ask him what's going on. And then you want to think, are you busy? I mean, can you have a chat with us? Because you must be busy. And his answer is, well, I'm outside of time. So there's a million of me answering questions simultaneously because it's not because it, it, the time frame thing is just wacky. Anyway, so that was our preamble to get to our friend Luana. And yeah. for those tuning in for the last time or the first time, Luana's our friend on the flip side who helps us. There, it's, That's her name. And her movie, uh, Dementia 13, came out recently, which is so wild because Francis Coppola recut it. And uh, he was there with her image and 4K. And oh, my gosh, it looks like it was shot yesterday. It's just so wow. eerie. I, you know, it was shot in 1963. I didn't meet her until... 1979. So I didn't even know that person, but I know that person now, you know, it's, it, it's very strange. And we have these conversations yeah. with Lou. So Luana, since you have been uh, cajoling us, oh, go me. ahead. So another thing that happened. So I had a phone call from um, on Monday from a friend of mine. Her mom wanted to talk to me because one of her students, she's a yoga instructor. One of her students went missing as of last Wednesday up in Westwood. And so I, you know, as I was getting information, I just needed the name. She's 74 years old. She was last seen. She never took anything when she left her house. She always left her, you know, left everything at her house. She just went, she'd go walking though for miles. And I kept getting, I'm like, I felt like she had some, some head trauma, but I felt very calm and at ease. And, but the chills, which usually when I get the really heavy chills, it's usually because they're gone. But I couldn't tell if she was gone or not. Stay with me for a second. Yeah. She, her head, something happened to her head. And like, it was like, she got distracted by a dog or something and something happened to her head. But I'm like, I know she didn't suffer. I know she wasn't taken. I know there wasn't any elderly abuse. I know there wasn't any, it was just something that happened real fast. And then I'm like, have you looked in hospitals? And they're like, yeah. They're like, yes, nothing's come up. And I said, okay. I'm like, another thing that people tell me that are, passed away as well as here, which is interesting. They tell me when they're going to be found. And I said, I'm being shown you're going to, she's going to be found today at five. You'll know where she's at almost to the minute they got a, you know, they, for some reason, somebody got a phone call. She found out at five Oh four or something like that, that she was in the hospital. She was hit by a car. Oh my gosh. Wow. But, so I saw a palm and I'm like, I'm like that, you know, when I do investigations, I have one with a sheriff today. In fact, um, they, you know, it could be a street name. And so the whole reason why I was getting this information, the reason why I was expressing this is because she's in a coma and when they're in a coma, they're tied to their body, but they're able to give me all the information, but it feels like they're gone because they're, they're right. Right. They're here and they're not. But, right. And so it was just a fascinating, what they felt comforted about was the fact that I said that she was going to be found and she was at that time. And the fact that I kept going, I'm like, she keeps I keep feeling that she was not, she, she, I'm sure she was hurt, but she didn't feel anything. It happened very quickly. And people that, you know, found out about it said that she, it was instant, but she's in a coma, but I always found that interesting. So Luana, when we were talking, Luana was showing me something else about tethering. So I, you know, when it came, like you've mentioned dementia, a coma and dementia are very similar in the way they're tethering to their to their bodies here. Yeah. And so I never feel sorry for either one of them. They actually feel sorry for us 
like when I talk to their higher self, when I talk to them, you know, in those spaces and whether they have dementia or, or other, otherwise with the coma. Anyway, my point is they, um, it's a, it's a different type of, it's a different type of communicating. I feel bad for the people that have to take care of them, but I don't feel bad for them. Right. And well, so for people who are coming into this the first time, let's just say, Jennifer and I have had this experience, and, and even as an experiment, we tried it with a friend of mine's uh, father, Jack Tracy, lifelong friend, um, and he was in hospice care, so he had dementia. And so I, what I did was I just designed a session where we, I asked, I wanted to speak to my friend Jack, and 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 Jennifer said, "Is he? It feels like he's still on the planet, but he's not on the planet," and that was accurate. And then I asked him questions about growing up, you know where he grew up, where he met his wife, all these things that I already know to be accurate. And so that allowed me to know that she was really talking to my friend, Jack. And Jack eventually, so we got to this conversation of like, what's it like for you? He said, it's like leaving a leg in the pool. He said, you know, like the rest of me is out of the pool and I'm already back home, but I'm still partially here. I asked him a percentage and I think he said around 10%. And we've asked people who've recalled lifetimes where they had a coma, how much percentage did you have? And they all, oh, it's always around. So now think about that. 90% of them is already home. They're okay. They can have conversations. They're aware of what all the stuff that happened. And I said, so why are you, why is the 10% still here? Why don't you just go? And he said, well, I need to have all my grandchildren come and say goodbye to me and have that experience. There's still other experiences to have. It might be to help a nurse. It might be to help somebody learn something. So it's that weird thing of saying they're okay. Dementia people are okay. Treat them as if they understand everything because their higher self does, even if the computer doesn't. Correct. You know, and so, you know, also music is something, as you, I'm sure most people know with dementia patients, that music is sort of, they say it's the last thing to go, but also it's almost like a cell phone. You can sing to them. You can talk. Like if you look at the Tony Bennett special or the thing that he did on 60 Minutes, Tony completely doesn't know why there's a crew in his house, not aware of anything until the pianist starts to play the piano and he walks over to the piano. Now, the doctor said, oh, this is muscle memory. It's just not the case because if you're a musician, you can hear that Tony is doing new versions, new versions of old songs, changing it up because it's not muscle memory. It's that your consciousness is already home. But right. but now music has just opened up that door so you can get back into the groove or get back into something that's more improvised, not muscle memory, That because that's somebody who thinks no. that consciousness is married to the brain. And we've talked about this before. There's quite a bit of research at University of Virginia there where you know they prove that consciousness is not confined to the brain. So Lou, I hate, I mean, I'm sorry, this is a preamble, but yeah. I think you wanted to, to talk about this, but what else do you want to talk about, Luana? Because the floor is yours. Thank you. What'd she say? What was that compliment? <laughs> I love when you have like private conversations. Uh huh. Yeah. Lottery numbers. Okay. All right, she, get said, all she said nice necklace to me. They oh, very me. sweet. That's that was sweet. very nice. Thank you. Now you're making me blush. Okay. <laughs> she liked her. She liked the version of dementia that you watched. 
Very good. Very good. I'm sure and she did. I like the ending. I think she's saying that it, I haven't, for the audience, I've never seen it. Um, she's saying it got switched up a little bit at the ending. I think the end. Yeah, part. because I, it, it's like he focused more on her. Okay. Uh, in the initial and version. She says, she says, like he should. <laughs> but she only makes it through, I mean, if, you know, I know. not to spoil it from that 1963. Like she only makes it like, well, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. I don't know if it's eight minutes, but yeah, it's the first act of the film, but she's great in it. She's so yeah. present. It's so interesting to watch her as an actor listen because it's so hard to get actors to, as Jack Nicholson once said, you know, you look at an actor, look at his watch, and they don't know what time it is, even though they're looking at their watch. And the, the good actors actually look. Anyway. Oh, that's but, interesting. But Lou, go ahead. You've got the clipboard. Who's, do, do we need to invite somebody today or, or what do you want to talk about? I'm getting the name Jesse. Jesse. Okay. Is that a male or a female, Lou? Is Jesse Jackson still here? Yeah. Is that who you're referring to, or is it somebody like Jesse? Jesse Owens? Athlete? Jesse Jackson? Jessica Lang? It almost feels like Jesse Owens. Because I had to be shown Jesse, or Jesse Jackson, but I believe... Well, the reason I flipped that in there is because, of course... Jesse Owens is the great athlete from 1936. I, you may not know this, but he he uh, was the guy who competed in the Berlin Olympics and won all the gold medals. And when he was racing, somebody stole his shoes. Somebody stole his track shoes and he had to run in slippers. It was crazy. I'm pretty sure that's Jesse. It might have been. I'm sorry. That might be Jim Thorpe. Anyway, Jesse, what do you want to say? Please, you're always welcome. Everyone's welcome that Luana has on her list. What do you want to talk about? Why are we talking to Jesse? Oh, we're mixing it up. She got complaints that there wasn't enough athletes in the club. <laughs> like it's all musicians. <laughs> it's all musicians. Okay. And, uh, and not like, enough athletes. Oh, that's funny. Absolutely. All right. So, Lou, you could have yes. given me a little heads up, so I could have done some research for you. So, that's Jesse... Cool. Please, why don't you take a seat in our chair here, if you don't mind? Why is that so funny? I'm like, what the heck is going on? <laughs> it's she fine. That she says it's better that I, because I certainly don't know anything. I mean, I, I for some reason, had it in my head that he was a baseball player, but Jesse Owens is. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. All right. Let's okay. sit him down. Okay. Jesse. So, you know, I wish I could say I've well, done it. I want to talk about the body. So hold on a second. That's interesting. Okay, we're prone to disease. He's saying, okay, I'm not going to judge it. He's saying partially we're prone to, to disease, partially based upon what we ingest mentally. Oh. So whatever we fascinate, like whatever we fixate on, almost comes to reality, just like anything else. So with our bodies. We're all meant to heal ourselves. And I know we've heard that many, many times, and I have no idea why they're saying this now, but do not take for granted your body. Bless every movement. And then mix it up with sounds that you love. So the frequencies that are the kindest to your heart 
that make you passionate and that can be heavy metal for one person and, you know, opera for the next, it doesn't matter. Um, I'm like, why is it so important that we, that you're coming through to talk about this? And he said, we talk about frequencies and we also need to talk about the frequencies of mental jargon that comes through. Mental health. Okay. But for the audience tuning in from out here on our side, they would be, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you some basic questions. So tell us when you crossed over, who was there to greet you? My mother. Your mom. Yes. And you. My grandmother. Your grandmother. Okay. And I knew you grew up in, uh, I'm looking up that you grew up in Alabama and you passed away in Arizona. Um, but you were only a young fella. I was 30. Wait, hold on. No, it was my age. 62. Was it 62? No. <laughs> 66. You are 66. 66. Yes, I am. No. Silly. <laughs> Anyways, but Jesse, so listen, the world knows you because you competed in the Olympics. Do you want to show Jennifer where it was? Maybe she knows. Maybe she doesn't. I don't know. I felt Russia, but I doubt it. Not right. Well, over in that section of the world, but give her a symbol. It's pretty simple to see that Germany? symbol. Yes. Okay. Very good. And why did you say Germany? What was the symbol? Swastika. Okay. Very good. That's very specific. Now you don't know anything about Jesse Owens, do you? But, no, I don't. But what was interesting is when I showed the swastika, actually, that's why I said Russia, because it felt like Russia to me. And then when he said no, but I know this. I know it's Germany. Please understand that. But I know. I, I, I just. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. You can laugh all you want. I'll take it. I totally deserve it. But no, no. But it's very it specific. Like a communist country, and the only like I don't think of Germany like that now. So I'm thinking, and I and whatever. Go ahead. So, and the reason I ask about Germany and the swastika is because this Jesse defeated the German Empire when he beat all the world in the Olympics in 1936. So in 1936, Jesse. Oh, so remember when I said 36, I think a little while ago. That ah, was, that's, that was the day. Yeah. Well, so when he competed against the Germans and Hitler had the Olympic games in Berlin and he set world records in four different sports, but the whole idea was a long jump and track and field. But it was, uh, it was the greatest and most famous athlete in track and field history. Um, and also because he had, he had done this thing where he, you know, the master race was supposed to be, you know, the Aryan race, whatever the thing that they had made up over there in Germany, completely false. And so it was symbolic. And he became a national hero because of that. But what was your impression about that? What was your experience? Yeah, the mean, box of Wheaties. Did they even have Wheaties back then? Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm Wheaties sure it's appeared. Yeah. Okay. Since then. Okay. But, but what was your feeling about that, Jesse? I mean, because you experienced he said, it. It was he different. He was afraid for his life. Oh, really? And he just had to focus. He ran for his life. He ran for his life. Wow. And... Um, so there's quite a few people that have honored you over the years. Do you feel a connection to that? You know, people who, um, you know, the name there. What's interesting is Michael, um, uh, Michael Phelps, who's a swimmer, who's not a track star, but there's something with Michael Phelps. 
with that. So, so you felt that, well, I don't, what do, what do you mean by that? What would that, because he won so many yes, uh, gold I guess medals? The, yeah, I guess the determination when things were stacked against you. Um, and that's just one example. It's an, obviously there's been so many more. And you show me his buddy, was he friends with Muhammad Ali? Uh, it's possible because, of course, uh, he didn't pass away yeah. until 1980. Right. Um, and certainly because he's an Olympian, Muhammad Ali uh, was an Olympian as well and won in, in 1960. So I'm sure they would have crossed paths. I just saw a place in London that honored him. That was a was um it was the most one of the most beautiful mosques i've seen oh no kidding well so jesse i mean you know it's just one of those things where sometimes we know your story really well and and in the story we know about you is just small but much bigger and much more powerful because you certainly represented something for uh humanity and so now, you, let's say uh, at 66, you cross over. Your, your, did you say your mom or your grandmother was there to greet you? Was, uh, that, a, was that a happy reunion? And I think maybe a wife or a first wife or something like that. I'm not sure. And so what was that experience like, realizing that, I mean, was it something you believed Blissful. in? Blissful. Blissful. He says he just like, it's almost like he... Besides hugging them, he high-fived, but like he did his job when he came, like he knocked it out of the park with what he was supposed to do here. Lifting all the borders, lifting every, you know, every judgment he did yeah. when he raced. So, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier. So you passed away 41 years ago. What does that feel like to you in terms of passing away? 10 minutes. 10 minutes. You showed me a dime. A dime. Okay. So 10, like 10 minutes ago. And so are you still connected with the emotions of that lifetime or? We recreate it. Like how so could you do better? So when you, so your race, is that what you're saying? You recreate yes. those races. Who do you race in the races? Myself. Are you racing against other avatars that look like you? Like you're racing against yourself or are you just racing by yourself? I'm racing other avatars that look like me. <laughs> That's unusual. That would be like Michael Jordan playing basketball with, you know, 10 Michael Jordans. That would be hilarious. Um, uh, who wins? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> He's like, well, I, always, I always win. I always win. But, okay, That's... now the one is coming through to explain. Please. That. Hold on. She's like, you create things there on Earth. or She says here yeah. on Earth. Uh -huh. um, and you don't realize that you are truly only competing against yourself in life each lifetime each lifetime you're competing it goes back to, it, it goes back to passing the baton to the better version of yourself and trying to outdo yourself with whatever it is with, it doesn't mean you know you could be learning forgiveness, like outdoing yourself with forgiveness or, you know, one lifetime, you might be searching for happiness, which is, you know, within yourself or whatever, or love in one, you know, 
um, which means you have to love yourself. I mean, there's a lot of, it is, it does go back to competing against yourself. Think what do you it. feel like the, uh, the sort of purpose of that lifetime as Jesse meant for you? What do you, if, if you could put it in words, what was the purpose hope. of that hope? It meant hope for humanity. Hope. So that you could overcome anything to become the top of the world of your sport. Resilience. Now, he said resilience, another word. And let's ask, do you hang out with other athletes on the flip side? No, they're boring. (laughs) So who do you like to hang out? Because I got my way into the musicians. Okay, you're welcome to our class. Yeah, we've got a lot. I guess apparently they have to like, they have to open it up to everybody. (laughs) That's why they put in the athletes, which is so funny to me. And so who, who among our class or people that, you Prince. want to, Prince, you guys have hung oh, out together. Like, What's it? So he's made me feel Billy Holiday. He's making me feel, who's the other one? Um, who we've talked to, Aretha Franklin. He's also, I think, are they all women? He is no. Um, Ray, is it Ray Charles? Yeah, Ray Charles. We've talked to Ray. I directed Prince, Ray in a movie. Jimmy Davis. Or what's the? Jimmy James Davis. Brown. James Brown. He goes, oh. He just rolled his eyes over. He's like, I'll take Tina. And she's still there. Um, well, Luana is very good friends with Tina. Yeah. I think that's what got him in the class. That's interesting. It is interesting. Big yeah. fan of Tina's. Um, I got a silly question for you. They named a, uh, apparently an asteroid was named after you in 1980. <laughs> what do you Sorry. think about that? I'm just laughing because as you said that, I just saw the car with David Bowie or the car that. Oh, flying to outer space. Yeah. Like hitting, he's like, my car is going to hit the asteroid. So are you, were you aware of that? Or is that just something that, you know, people talking about you? No, I was aware of that. Have you seen it? He's like, yeah, but it's just a big rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well it's an uh, the question really is is it's almost like more, kryptonite though he's making me feel like there's a lot of properties within it that could be okay something that people could use and utilize i mean it is a question about awareness because people are always asking you know are, are my loved ones aware of what i'm thinking and doing here and the answer is on some level they are right. you know so somebody names an asteroid after you you're aware of it you know of course they are, because they usually show that. Yeah. And do yeah. you have you have uh, families? Wait, Amelia, Amelia Hart's coming through right now. Oh, Amelia's coming through. Okay, very good. Thank you. Jesse, uh, don't feel like put upon, but, but we have talked to Amelia before. What would she like to say? It survives death and time. The way... Show me again. What does... Okay. Whoa. That was interesting. So I got shown the fact that they're trying to figure out how to make the best body, like how, how we could survive longer. How can we live longer? How can we get rid of disease? So that just became really apparent that I feel like they're doing over on the other side, trying to figure out our bodies, how to make them better, what needs to be done to needs to be done to survive. And what I'm feeling is it keeps going back to everything. Like they're showing me a bunch of robots. It keeps going back to what has the most love. What has the most love? What, because 
remember at the beginning of this conversation, he was saying disease of what you put into your mind really it's like, it's that liquid food that just can make you bad or good or feel, you know, um, okay. Show me one more time. And remembering everything can also hinder what the progression of your body. So if you're holding on to your past, if you are holding grudges, if you are holding, holding, holding something, it's not going to allow you to move forward to get, have your body get better. And I'm not, and I do not believe that people are their cancer. Like my dad didn't, my dad was a saint. He didn't get cancer because of a reason or whatever. Um, he just had a bad heart. Like there's some things that you just, you know, that are precog that you sure. have. Like, so I'm not saying, Oh, this person, you know, put bad thoughts in their head and they should have cancer or whatever. That has nothing to do with this. If you are able, they're saying, if you have, if you are able to, help your thoughts in making sure or meditate meditation is the best way to get rid of anything that you're stuck with mentally. That's bringing you down. Um, to truly be, be free. And I know we've said this before, you have to really love yourself. It's the only way you're going to love others. It's the only way that you're like by loving your body, it sends, it sends a neurological, you know, little neurons going back to your body that spread out. Just think of it like spreading all over is just this love blanket. But if you think bad about your body, it's like tearing it apart. Sure. And of course that goes back into, I mean, we've talked about this before. There's also people that recall previous lifetimes where they had phobias or they had trauma happen to them and they carry the energy of those events in forward into this lifetime. Fears. That's what Amelia was saying. So that's what Amelia was saying. She was saying, you remember those traumas yeah, over, over many lifetimes. And so partially doing hypnotherapy, let's say, or accessing and meditation, letting go, just the concept of letting go allows you sort of to, to do that thing, which is a healthier thing to do, to let go of those kinds of traumas. But also what Jesse is saying now, once you've let go of all that stuff, now the stuff that's coming into you. If you're focused on positive things, is that what you're saying? You're yeah. focused on healing, healthful thought that will also help heal you. Right. So it's like a two-pronged attack. And Let go and bring in light. Yes. And the love thing, which you pointed out, you know, showing you a line of robots. Which robot's going to live longer? The one with love. You could argue that if whatever the rope, whatever the person is that has all that love, they're going to live better. They're going to have more fun. They're going to have more of an adventure. It's going to be more inclusive because they've opened their hearts to everybody right. or, or tried to, or tried to have that experience of open themselves up. So Lou, is that what we're talking about? You brought until Jesse came in because so no one complained over here. There weren't enough athletes. I mean, maybe they did. I don't know. I haven't heard it. No, but they didn't complain over here. They complain over on the other side. It's I, over on the flip side. There's complaining. I just thought it was funny because I'm like, there's no way I could think that. And she goes, oh, no, they just they think this is which is true. We've been talking about the body. So it's a very special component. No. And for people who you know are tuning in for the first or last time, we have spoken to some at the Muhammad Ali, of course. We've talked to people about their journey. We talked to uh, Junior Sal. We talked to Dave Duerson about how to cure CTE, which is, uh, you know, a, 
oxygen, hyperbaric oxygen therapy that Joe named it. So we have talked to athletes in the past, but I just think it's fascinating because of course, it's not something you, someone you or I thought, oh, you know, have we talked to Jesse Owens? I've never had someone email me and say, you know, they asked me about a lot of people, yeah. you know, why don't you talk to Adolf? You know, that they're more interested in Adolf than Jesse. And people are out there right now going, have you seen Adolf since you've been back home? And it's like, I don't really want to know that from Jesse, because that's not what we're about. We're about talking to people about their experience on the flip side and what that was like. And especially people who have changed humanity, helped humanity, given their lives up to, you know, hope, as he said, the reason of that lifetime was hope. Hope. And then he, I feel like he passed the baton off to Cassius Clay, you know, Right. Another Olympian who then became Muhammad Ali, somebody else who represented hope in in an unusual way, in a powerful way. The wonderful Ken Burns documentary. uh, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's in four parts. It's really powerful. I have have a um, autographed glove by Muhammad Ali that I bought at a charity. But wow, that's so cool. Well, how apropos. I mean, you know, I would invite him to come in and have, say a few words if he wants. I don't know. Does he want to? What do you think about Jesse Owens being here? I feel like the first thing I heard was, I'm still pretty. <laughs> He's still prettier than Jesse. Is that what you're trying to say? Yep. Okay. We believe it. We know it. It's true. You are. Oh gosh, that's so funny. Because they come in looking so young. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. let's, let me ask about that. So why, why appear young? Some people... I mean, we, uh, we've had this discussion before, but some people appear younger than we knew them, let's say. You know, we might have known whenever them. They, it's whenever they felt the healthiest. Felt the healthiest. So it's that idea. Mentally. I mean, I, I've so talked about the healthiest mentally, which usually coincides with them feeling pretty good about. Yeah, their, their, their journey and their and, you know, the over the horizon. I did. I had this conversation with a New York police detective. When I was working on the film Salt, a ghost, as he said, was haunting his house and he wanted to figure out who it was. And I, so I asked him a bunch of questions. His eight-year-old daughter was seeing his partner, who had died 10 years ago, hanging out at their house, except now he had hair and he was thinner. Yeah. So that was his question. Like, how did my friend who my, you know, the person I love the most. He felt better. That's felt better at that. Yeah. And I said, I actually feel like that's when they fell in love. Well, I said to him, you know, you, do you really feel like your partner who's keeping an eye on your daughter, your eight year old daughter, when you're at work, you think that's haunting or is that your friend helping? He said, well, when you put it that way, yeah, it's helping. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. We, we spend a lot of time trying to debate whether or not people should talk to their loved ones. We spend time talking about whether we actually are talking to our loved ones. But ultimately, by talking to people on the flip side, we enhance our own lives because we realize that we can let go of things. Right. We, can, we, can, we can open our hearts a little bit more to other people. I have to tell you, I love my work. I am so grateful that I get to do this. You know, I'm grateful that I get to help. You know, I have a big case that I'm working on today with the police chief. Like there's a, you know, I was with my FBI agent yesterday working on cases. I love that. But I also love, 
I love what inspires women and men alike to just open up. What's the worst thing that can happen? Literally, what's the worst thing that can happen if you start talking to some loved ones on the other side? Well, to realize that they, you know, the argument you've been making for 20, 30, 40, 50 years was a waste of energy. Right. Also protection, as we know. Well, as we as we heard from Harry Dean Stanton, we talked to a week after he passed and a week before his memorial service. He said, tell people that believe in the possibility of an afterlife and then they won't waste another minute of their lives arguing about it like I did, which is what people do. And give your family the right to change who they are on the other side, because there's a lot of people that are holding on to the version that they knew here, you know, when their parent was ill or their parent said something wrong or whatever, give them the right to help you out from the other side in a, like have a different relationship with well. And, and it, as well, when people do hypnotherapy and they access their life planning process, and then they see the person who was the thorn in their lifetime volunteer and say, oh, I can play the thorn. I'm, I'm a good thorn player. And then you go, oh, yeah, yeah, you're great. I remember when you did that in the Viking era. Come on, you'll be my thorn. And now that whole that changes completely when you see that you asked the thorn to be in your life, whether it's your parents whether it's some crazy relative, whatever it is, those things that we see as stones in our path turn into diamonds when we cross over them and get to the other side of them and realize that we asked for the stones to be there so we could learn more, experience more, and perhaps, if we're lucky, to love more. So, If we're lucky. <laughs> if we're lucky. All right. I would much rather leave this planet knowing a lot about sex versus about anger (laughs) (laughs) or being mad. Okay. All right. If you have to to remember feelings, like that's great. That's amazing. No, no, it's true. And, and, And it is interesting because when you ask people, like, what do you remember about being on the planet? Sometimes we get that, you know, they talk about, well, what do you miss about being on the planet? And they're saying sex. Yeah. To the tactile sensation. You can create a tree like the one that's over my shoulder, but it's just not the same when you go to <laughs> hug the thing and it's spongy. So anyway, how long do I have you for, dear? I'm all done. We're all done. All right. Well, wasn't that fun? What an unusual uh, journey. Thank you, Jesse, for showing up. Thank you, Muhammad Ali, for stepping in for some comedy moments. And Luana, of course, we thank you for helping us out. And Jennifer for your gracious gifts and all that you do for the planet. We appreciate it. Thank you. Love you. Love, love. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been Hacking the Afterlife podcast with Jennifer Schaefer. For more information, jenniferschaefer.com, martinizone.com, or richmartini.com. Hacking the Afterlife documentary is available on Gaia dot com via Amazon Prime.